0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm thrilled that you're with me today, everyone. And I'm equally thrilled that we have a very fascinating guest. Um, most of you know that I interview in genre fiction. Um, today is a little bit different. I have a very new author, but someone who's been in the business world for many, many years. Um, my guest today is Martin Sawa. This is his book, "The Other Side of Success: Money and Meaning in the Golden State." Martin, welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm thrilled that you can make it.
1: Hi, Pam, and thanks so much for having me.
0: Uh, I'm thrilled that you're here. You have a very interesting story to tell. First of all, tell uh, viewers and listeners a little bit about your background.
1: Uh, my parents were born in Ukraine uh, in the pre-World War II and during the World War II era. And they uh, lived in DP camps, uh, displaced persons camps in Europe for four years before emigrating to the US. Uh, And I was conceived in one of those DP camps but birthed on US soil. And uh, we grew up in a small town in rural Wisconsin. Uh, The immigration policy at that time was to disperse immigrants and rather than concentrate them in, you know, the large Ukrainian ghettos in New York and uh, Toronto, Chicago. So that's how I came to be here. Wow.
0: I didn't realize that. Um, I didn't know that when, when, when immigrants came over that they were put kind of, you were in communities of Ukrainians, correct?
1: That, that had been the process for the initial waves of immigration in the late 19th and early 20th century. But after the war, it was more dispersion. So we were the only Ukrainians for miles around.
0: And in Wisconsin. In so, Wisconsin. so you were used to the cold, but yeah. um, so that was a good thing. Um, What happened when you grew up in Wisconsin, then what happened to you?
1: Well, I was fortunate enough to uh, attend a Jesuit boarding school, which just happened to be located near this town, and uh, I learned more in high school than I did in college, and I met some very smart people, and it kind of gave me the confidence to uh, try to make my mark in the world. So I left uh, this town, Prairie du Chien, on the day of my high school graduation and moved to Chicago. And then uh, a few years later, in 1973, moved to California and never looked back.
0: What did you aspire to do when you were in high school and after you left high school?
1: Well, I. I studied architecture for a while in college and then just kind of uh, bounced around. Uh, I did some hitchhiking, uh, took driveway cars, kind of saw the country, didn't really know what I wanted to do. So when I arrived in California, I got into city planning uh, and then uh, got married. And when my wife was pregnant, we were dead broke. And I was commuting 50 miles from Oakland to San Jose to a job I didn't like. (laughs) And uh, one day I just uh, quit and said, I'm never going back to that life again. I'm going to make it on my own as an entrepreneur. And so I got a real estate license because that was the easiest thing to get into. Uh, Virtually no barriers to entry and started out as a commercial real estate broker selling investment properties.
0: Wow, wow, wow. Did you enjoy doing that?
1: Well, I don't know if enjoy is the right word because it's uh, it's constant stress. And uh, it took almost a year before I started seeing any commission checks. So wow. during the interim, I had to kite credit cards do whatever I had to do to support the family. And uh, so it was rough starting out. Uh, But once the deal started happening and bigger and bigger deals and bigger and bigger commissions, uh, then it, it felt rewarding.
0: And so, what did you do then? So you sold commercial real estate. I would imagine. I, I understand that would be longer term before you got commissions on those. So now you're finally in the loop, and you're you're becoming known, and you're making some money, and you're able to support your family. What happens then?
1: Well, from from the business side, i i stayed <coughs> I stayed in brokerage uh, for uh, almost twenty years. Wow, um, and uh, this was in San Francisco and West Los Angeles, uh, where I sold high-rise office buildings, wow. shopping malls, technology parks, uh, the largest assets. And there, there were a number of factors in in my personal life that were affected by the business and uh, those caused a lot of issues. And eventually I was at the top of my game and I just quit brokerage. And, <laughs> and that shocked a lot of people because, uh, you know, why would you do that? Uh, and so then I, I didn't, wasn't sure what I was gonna do. I tried day trading for a while because was, there was a lot of excitement Pretty
0: hot back yeah. then too. There
1: was a, a lot yeah. of people doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So, like you know, a few weeks ago, when you saw the game spot and all of that, that was the norm back then. Right. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't that good at it, and
0: which <laughs> led me,
1: which led me to believe that if you're good in one aspect of business, that doesn't necessarily mean you'll be good in another.
0: It doesn't translate, right?
1: <laughs> so. Uh, Here I was, and uh, one day out of the blue, a former colleague, we were down in Los Angeles at the time, and a former colleague of mine from San Francisco called and said he had a deal uh, in the city, uh, an office building that was coming up for sale. And uh, as a broker, uh, you get paid if the deal closes, but you don't have the risk of having to put your own money and time and reputation on the line, which you do when you buy a property. So uh, to make a long story short, I decided to get back in the game and we put the deal together. And now I was uh, a commercial real estate operator.
0: What does that mean? What does that mean? Because operator... To someone who reads a lot of genre fiction, you know, an operator could be a special ops guy or something like that. I know it it means something different for you. So explain what an operator is in your world.
1: Uh, In real estate, uh, in in the world of mega deals, the the world that I was trained in, uh, these are large assets that are beyond the reach of any individual investor.
0: Right. Uh,
1: or most of them. Uh, so uh, the operator is the person who finds an a inst- major institutional investor. Uh, could be a life insurance company uh, or, or REIT, a sovereign wealth fund. Right. And puts the deal together and largely with their money, but also putting some in and put, using their expertise then in a joint venture to own the asset, create add value and ultimately sell it and make a profit
0: could be a consortium of investors or it could be a syndicate
1: or it could be a single investor.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. You wrote this book at a time that wasn't so great for you. Can you tell us about this book? And, and I mean, a time wasn't great and then it got better, I guess I should say. So I want to know about the other side of success. And what made you decide to write this? Because I know you mentor young entrepreneurs as well, Um, but your book is, is very poetic in its read. It's almost like reading, it's almost like reading fiction because you have a lot of dialogue in there. It's not just a flat story. So I really liked it a lot. Can you tell our listeners and our viewers, and here's your bookmark. Um, what motivated you to write this book, and then give them a little bit of a a basic storyline?
1: Uh, so just just to finish, I reinvented myself one more time in in the world of commercial real estate, from okay. an operator to a developer, and that's most people, I think, know what that is. Right. And so I. I I had a partner, and we had a major project in San Francisco. It was a large mixed-use project involved a number of buildings and properties and uh, had a finished value at that time that we estimated at uh, for around $400 million. Uh, and this was during the Great Recession, and so things happened. And I'm not going to give too many spoiler alerts here, but uh, I got out of the business in about eight years ago, and uh, decided at that time that I was going to devote time to things that I hadn't had time to do before, because it's a business that just takes 110 percent of your time, and that was one of the problems. Uh, I, I couldn't live right. In other aspects of my life, and still do it.
0: Yeah, your personal life suffers if you give too much to your business life, and so it's finding a balance. Correct.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's it's not just you know you only have so many hours in the day, but but it's a lifestyle that uh, produces behavior that's not always.
0: Uh, it's not healthy. right or
1: healthy? Sure, uh, especially if you're married and have children and
0: you have uh, to wine and dine and entertain and all the other things that come along with that right so yeah and,
1: and and you and you think only in a business sense and if you make money it's good and if you don't it's bad and so just uh, all the ethical issues it's just a constellation of factors so uh i dropped out and i didn't know what i was going to do like number of points in my life, uh, but then decided I was going to do some writing. So I uh, started out, you know, writing some essays, and then I started writing screenplays. Uh, I had never written before, and other than business writing, uh, so I didn't know how to create and develop characters or, uh, you know, the three-act structure or any of those things. So I did that, and I wrote uh, three screen plays and then I decided what I was going to do next. And I was working with a developmental editor who said, you know, your life seems kind of interesting. And that's something, you know, you write what you know, where where your heart is in it. Do you ever think of writing a memoir? And I said, no, because I always thought it was kind of a, narcissistic, It <laughs> could be a narcissistic exhibition,
0: oh, sometimes or, or, work
1: right. or just a banal vanity project. So I gave it some thought, and then I thought about it, and I discovered that the people that I had known and the experiences that I had were more interesting than what, what I could conjure up in the fictional world. And so... So that was, but then as I got into it, and people who have written memoirs understand that the hardest decision uh, is how truthful are you going to be? Uh, and I, I struggled with this for weeks and because it means going back in your life and reliving unpleasant experiences and reconnecting with people. To, you know, establish the the accurate timeline and what happened when, and you know how memory is. Uh, And then I decided, yes, I was going to be truthful, and you're either all in or not in at all. Uh,
0: And then the family think about this, Martin.
1: Well. They always thought I was, you know, kind of marched to my own drumbeat anyway. So.
0: <laughs> Good for you. I like that.
1: I don't want to say they took it in stride, but, you know, they,
0: but they took did. it in
1: stride. So. <laughs>
0: Good for you.
1: And so then I, I was faced with, you know, the structure. And obviously my career in commercial real estate, I thought would be interesting to people. There haven't been very many books written about commercial real estate. If you go to those physical bookstores that still are around and you look on the shelf, 95% is on residential real estate. And it's kind of the, you know, the seven secrets or the how-to variety.
0: Sure. So
1: so I thought kind of exposing this world of commercial real estate and, and the mega deals and the characters would be kind of interesting. But then I said, that's just the business bio, and it, it doesn't really address the issue of truth. So I, I, I wrote a parallel na- narrative, and this was a uh, raw accounting of my personal life, and that's how the book came to be.
0: How long did it take for you to write this book?
1: Oh, from start to... Uh, when I was able to have it ready for for uh final editing and proofing probably about three years Wow,
0: was it difficult for you to write this story? yes,
1: not the, busi- not the business- not the business side part. but the personal
0: side right well, I would imagine that's true um excuse me, I have a meowing cat right now um uh so what did you expect when you first started this book? What did you expect to feel or to not feel, or was it cathartic? I mean, what was your expectation for writing the book?
1: Uh, there, were, <laughs> there, there were certain scenes that really were very hard to write uh, because it involved... Uh, Really serious life issues, the traumatic, unexpected death, uh, the spiritual uh, components, things like that. And I had to kind of relive those moments. And that's why I didn't want to do it in the first place. But I just had to do
0: it. Now that the book is done and it's been published, are you glad that you wrote it? Are you nervous about your friends and family reading it? Tell me how you feel now that the book is out.
1: Well, when I started, uh, I, I could have wrote, written all of this for cathartic purposes for myself and just journaled it. Right. So I knew when I started to write that it wasn't just for me, it was for an audience. And so I had to do the best job I possibly could. So at the end of the day, you know, they'll laugh, they'll cry, maybe find some inspiration. Um, And the personal side with the family and close friends, and uh, it was difficult. I had to conduct some interviews because some of this goes back 40, 50 years. I couldn't remember well. And so uh, like, some of my stepchildren, for example, to really create a scene create the scene properly and truthfully. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I was surprised because uh, one of the first early readers was my grandson, now 14. Really? And he's he's a voracious reader. Yeah, he read Stephen King's It and you know, he's this very sharp kid and uh and he gave it a thumbs up, so that kind of legitimized it for the family.
0: Oh, that's wonderful now um how do you feel now that it's out
1: uh of, of course yeah <coughs> excuse me, of course you're nervous uh it's like uh you can be uh, in, in the movie industry, you can be Steven Spielberg. But you never know how the movie is going to play. That's why they preview it in uh, Peoria or Riverside or someplace. Right. And then make edits and changes depending on the audience reaction. Uh, you just don't know. You just you don't know. know. So uh, so I had, I had some arc readers and beta readers, and that was very helpful. Yeah. And it gave me a sense that uh, the book worked uh the, the sort of the two parallel narratives uh and they said you know was fast paced easy to read and uh at the end of the day my instructions were to them were i only want you to read until the point where you get bored or bump and then just set it down it could be page one page 50 just let me know how far you got and i don't want you to read anymore because i don't like to read a book I don't
0: that's like. <laughs> really do. You know, that's a really Im- important thing for you to tell your beta readers, um, because you need to know if you're losing them. Yeah, and, exactly. And how to get back on track again. And very smart of you. Yeah, I um, I re- I beta read a lot, and um, I'm always surprised when the writer doesn't ask me questions afterward. I think it's important to have feedback. Is this your first full length book that you've written?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's the first full-length anything I've written.
0: So. Well, you wrote screenplays, so... That's...
1: Yeah, yeah, screenplays, but uh, a book, uh, 85,000 words, is different than a script of 20 or 25,000
0: words. So. That's true. Do Would you like to write another book?
1: Yeah, I, 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 right now I'm just focused on uh, the marketing and right. doing these kind of interviews, which... I really I really enjoy uh, publishing has become so virtual that I could be a fictional person. No one would ever know. They see the book cover, the book description on Amazon, they click. Okay. And, you know, I, and AI is, frankly, starting to do some pretty good writing. But so the ability just to interact with people, I, I just love it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's not like a real book tour, but it, you know, at least for face to face anyway. And so I think that's important. And it's important. I know for you as the writer to have feedback too. So, um, if you write again, will you write another nonfiction book or would you like to write fiction?
1: Uh, I, I, I was always thinking of writing that next script, uh, and uh, the the first the ones I wrote, they were they were pretty good in terms of uh, my peers. At that time, I was taking classes at UCLA and then uh, with uh, Corey Mandel, who is one of the best teachers I've ever had. Uh, but they weren't uh on the order of uh, being of the quality that would be picked up, you know, which the odds are like getting hit by lightning. A little better, you know, by the way. Uh, so that's always in the back of my mind. Uh, one of the, the, the book itself contains a multiplicity of stories. Yes, it does. Uh, they're like, uh, you know, the little Ukrainian Russian dolls that are nested one in the other. And my stepson, his, his journey to success, frankly, uh, was a lot more overwhelming than mine. So that may be a story that we'll do.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Have you always been a reader?
1: Yeah, when I had the time. And even in my business life, there'd be occasions where I would take off, just take timeouts. And read and maybe do some spiritual pursuits. Because I always felt that there was something missing. And I had to. Stay on top of things, uh, and particularly in today's day and age, where the information people get are from manufactured right vi- visual and audio images on gadgets, and to just not be manipulated to you know hone your b s. detector.: Yeah, it <laughs> takes a lot of reading.
0: It does take a lot of reading. I, I agree with you. Um, do you have a tendency to prefer nonfiction or do you read any fiction at all?
1: Well, historically, it was almost entirely nonfiction. And then when I uh, decided to do the memoir, I read a lot of memoirs. And there is like fiction uh, that, that's like, so, uh, if it's so well written and so moving. Even if it's not my genre, I'm not a genre reader. Where, okay. you know, I devour zombies in space, or, you know, <laughs> but if I find some that's so compelling and I research the author and their background right. to see kind of what their agenda is and, and when it all comes together, yeah, I love a great, a great novel.
0: But you know, I think memoirs and biographies can be just as exciting as genre fiction. Uh, it, depending upon the writer. If it's not dry and, you know, your writing is not dry at all, um, I, I think that books like yours are every bit as exciting as reading fiction. Do you agree?
1: Yes. Uh, uh, I've read uh, some great memoirs, uh, all, all of Mary Carve's uh, works, I'm sure you're familiar with and you know, just the, the sensory description. Yeah. Uh, and, and the memoir falls technically between fiction and nonfiction. It's it's a truthful accounting. If you don't stay to the truth and you've seen people, you know, who have created novels and passed them off as memoirs, that's kind of disturbing. Uh, but then you also need to make it interesting uh, as a novel, you need to have the scenes and the scene sequences and the character arcs, uh, and so you have to kind of mash the two together.
0: That's true. You do. You do. So now you're going to sit back and say, oh, thank you. It's The book is out. I'm finished with that part. We'll move on to, to promotion and marketing. And then you're going to jump back in and do screenplays again.
1: Perhaps. but. <laughs> I, I've I've done some strange things in my life for no apparent reason, so there's no guarantees, Pam.
0: That's the way it should be, Martin. It keeps your life exciting, right? I listen. I this was this is my retirement hobby, so I understand completely. My business it, is so not having anything to do with this. I'm just an avid reader, and I'm so impressed by people who can write books. That's why I like talking to them because I read a lot. So. Um, Tell everybody where they can get your book and also where we can find you on the internet.
1: Uh, the easiest place to start is to go to my website, which is martinsawa.com. And there you can click, and the book is available online from a bookseller of your choice Excellent. in paperback, hardback, ebook format. You click and then click again, and you're on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, right. and you download the ebook, and you can start reading in about 45 seconds.
0: Well, that's uh, so <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. I read that um, like a million and a half. No, maybe it's more than that. Eleven million or something. Self-published books were were put out last year. Ebooks had uh, just blew out. People were reading more than ever, which gives me great joy to know that because, uh, you know, most I know a lot of people have never read a book for pleasure. and, And I don't understand that at all. But I love your cover design. I think it's beautiful. It's eye catching when you're just looking at thumbnails on Amazon or any other place. And I don't know a lot of bookstores that are open or they have limited capacity. I wish you all the success with this. I really enjoyed this book. I'm so glad that that Julia mentioned you to me, and um, I hope if you have a new project, you'll come back and see me sometime.
1: Well, thanks so much pam uh i I really appreciate your having me on. I know you have a wide, wide network of listeners
0: oh listen. And, uh, it's nice to, for me to try new things and, you know, and, and talk to interesting people. I love that. It, it has, it's, it's just, um, it's a nice change of pace for me. You know, you, see, you seem like a really down to earth guy, even though you've had these great successes and then you've walked away from them and all. And to me, that makes life interesting.
1: You never know what's coming around the corner.
0: You sure don't. i tell you what, you know, something amazing is going to happen every single day. You just got to get ready for it, right?
1: That's, That's absolutely true.
0: Thank you so much. My guest today has been Martin Sawa. His book is called The Other Side of Success, Money and Meeting in the Golden State. I highly recommend this book. Thank you so much, Martin. Thank you. See you later.
1: Goodbye.